Hi, I'm Jackie Tantillo, and this is Should Have Listened to My Mother. As you may know, this podcast is about lessons learned from one's relationship with their mother, good, bad, or indifferent. Are you who you are today because of or in spite of your mother? This episode will stand out as an example of how powerful and moving a positive relationship with one's mother can be, and that realization or knowing can hit you in any stage of your life. An internal, emotional, or physical intuitive awakening can happen to any one of us at any time in our life, even in the middle of a pandemic. The important thing is to listen to your mind and body and acknowledge this major shift and do something about it. Fear of transitions in work and life can be paralyzing. None of us, including myself, can afford to let fear get in our way. My guest's advice for those up-and-coming women in the business world is to use your full potential beyond a means to an end. Do not allow yourself to be defined by a role. Margarita Ariagada is a warrior and innovator, as well as the former chief merchant of Sephora. She's worked for decades in the beauty industry in merchandising and brand development. Today, she is the CEO and founder of Valde Beauty, where she created a luxury lipstick brand, which is named after her mother. Her single mother immigrated from Peru to the U.S. with her young daughters and is the inspiration behind Margarita's new line of lipstick. Margarita Ariagada, welcome to Should Have Listened to My Mother. Thank you, Jackie. I am so honored and humbled and excited to know you, to speak with you. And I just have to tell you, your podcast feels like it was made exclusively for me. <laughs> it was. <laughs> but the best part is that we found each other, right? Exactly. And that's friends spreading the word is a big part of the magic of this show. My worldwide listeners have unique stories to share, stories we can learn from, and that's where my interest and passion comes from. Journaling these relationships, it could save us a lot of anxiety and time by learning from each other. It's amazing. Exactly. So how about we begin with your mom's name? My mother's name is Carolina Valdelomar. And your new line, your lipstick line, was inspired by your mom. Correct. The name of the brand is Valde. This brand is inspired uh, by my mother. And when naming the brand, you know, came to take place, I thought I, I thought about naming it either Carolina or or Valdelomar. Valdelomar is. I am originally from Peru, South America, uh, born born and raised with the rest of my family, and. My mother comes from a great lineage. Um, her uncle, Abraham Valdelomar, is a famous writer, poet, and uh, and I wanted to pay homage. So I, I thought about uh, Valdelomar, but it was long. And so I was going through the Latin dictionary. Before I got to Valdelomar, I got to Valde, and Valde is a Latin word for very in English. And for me, my brand, even though inspired by my mother, 
is the ethos of my brand is so much what you talk about, right? Really stepping into who we are and and being all that we were meant to be. This is this is what I wanted to celebrate through through my brand. And so it felt very apropos to call it Valde um, because the meaning of that is very, and it, you know, it's a word that places emphasis on the word that follows, uh, which for me, the tagline is very you. It's amazing the, the significance, the importance, and the research that you did to come up with all of this in homage of your mom, all a part of it to really make sure that it was right. Absolutely. Absolutely. For me, this the creation of this brand, uh, first I will say, it, 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 it should be obvious that it came from a place of heart. Um, because it's 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 an inspired by my mother. It's a celebration of her and 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 through her celebration of women. It feels like it was these divine connection moments in the journey of the creation that these things would happen, right? Because you're a beauty founder. I'm in the beauty industry. You're thinking about names, and you know you think about very popular commercial names, all of which have been taken. (laughs) And so it was uncanny or, you know, serendipitous that I landed in this name. And and it is that I I felt that emotion immediately when I, you know, it just lit up, that name lit up in the, in the, in the Latin dictionary that I thought, you know, may my mother sending me a sign, you know, the, the whole journey of the creation of my brand has been like that. Yeah, isn't it magical how that connection happens? Oh, this is so exciting. Okay, so let's go back a little bit. You are one of three children? That's correct. Your mom came as a single mom to the U.S.? Yes, my mom sort of fled, is the truth, from the relationship with with my father. Um, And so she fled with my older brother and my, my younger sister, um, she pretended that she was going to visit and her sister in Mexico, which we did, vacation in Mexico in Acapulco. And one fine day after a summer in Acapulco, we hopped on a bus and crossed the border. She did not want to leave a, cra- a trace of where she was going to. Did you have any idea what this plan no. was? Or you just felt you're going no. along? We thought we were vacationing. And one day after Acapulco, she said, oh, we're going to go and, you know, and see places. And um, we hopped on a bus. I had no idea of, of where we're going. And it was it was a, a, a treacherous trip. And it was probably my my initial first, um, I think, impact of the beginning of the journey that as I reflect on my mother and I, and I reflect on as I create this brand and, and I channel and I think about all the, all who she was, she had this, she's planned. She, she went with her savings. She went with her jewelry and we were going to cross the border in El Paso, Texas. And um, she's never worked a day in her life. She left a life of comfort uh, having housekeepers and cooks and 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 you know in in search of wanting liberation um, and and so we were about to cross the border and the bus was held up 
Um, and there were all the passengers were robbed of everything, suitcases, jewelry, money, everything. So we landed on a at a Greyhound Depot in El Paso, Texas, with not a penny to her name. And I vividly remember I was 12 years old, and I vividly remember my mother asking for money. And there are those things that have impacted my life and how I saw the hardship of what my mother went through, and yet how she overcame in the most gracious way um, with excitement, possibility, faith, optimism, generosity, love, um, that really profoundly impacted me. So I, I yeah, this, this, this brand is an, an homage to her. And two, thereby the potential that we all have as women. I mean, that's what I learned along the way. Um, I saw her do things that I thought I would never be capable of doing. And for the, a long part of my life, I, I thought that I overcompensated and working hard so that I would never go through what my mother went through. But I, I think I, I, I carried a lot of baggage, I guess. I don't know how to say it in any other way. And not embracing the vulnerabilities that, you know, that of the challenges that we all undoubtedly are always going to um, are going to experience. So I lived most of my life while successful in a career, but I lived in fear most of my life. And my mother was fearless. And so for me, part of my journey into becoming who I am is really by helping to understand how my mother was who she was and 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 taking that learning learning um to help me overcome all the things that i have been able to overcome by now i i just get the chills uh, especially this topic so timely of that's why that's um, what's going on (laughs) i'm telling you this show this this show has had so many spiritual connections and serendipitous happenings is brilliant, let alone what's going on at the borders and the refugees and overpopulating cities. And, and I can see your mother with the children on the corner. And it's compassion that will help us solve this problem. Obviously, there's a lot more involved, but we certainly have to be compassionate can you tell us a little bit about what your mom's upbringing was like, what her family life was? Yes, my mother comes from a um, European uh, background, uh, born and raised in, in Peru, uh, from a lineage that was very artistic. Um, I had mentioned her, her uncle, her father's brother, is an important poet. Um, in, in our country and writer and her cousins were artists, very artistic, bohemian kind of in, in, in an artistic way. Um, what was what was profound for me in my reflection of, in my upbringing is that she married an aristocrat um, and you know they, they fell in love and my father came from a opposite, side of of um a family of who my grandfather was ambassador from spain to to uh, to peru um and so here were these opposites that attracted each other 
And, and what I witnessed was that my, my mother, my father's side of the family never really fully accepted my mother. I felt my, my mother was, was stifled. I don't, I don't think that she felt that she could be who she wanted to be, which I think is the reason my father fell in love with her. Um, but she was, um, yeah, she was a, a, a vivacious, I've named a shade, um, after her, which is called the Booleans, um, because she was so uh, ebullient. And, and I felt that, you know, in that, in that time, in that era, um, I was born in, in 1953. So it was a post, post-war. There was just this, I experienced this gaiety and beautiful time of my, my, my parents being young. Um, but also there was such machismo and such strictness and, you know, and a division of classes and, you know, and I kind of felt that was never said, but I kind of felt like my, my father, you know, was criticized for not marrying, you know, marrying not a class, you know, all these things that, um, you know, have come to head, you know, the, these days. And I think that's, you know, that's partially part of the reason uh, my my father also had an extramarital affair, and um, you know, and those things were kind of sort of accepted in you know in in our culture. Oh sure, and, you know Absolutely. he didn't have one kid; he had several kids, and so I just think I always think about what my mother must have felt. She pretended to forgive my father, and you know, and sort of went on with things. Otherwise, he never would have uh, accepted my mother, you know, flying to Mexico with three kids, right? He had to sign the passport, passports to release that. And so my mother, to scheme this, you know, her, her flight and, you know, what must have come, what she must have felt and thinking, this is it. I, you know, I can't take this anymore. Or stepping into her worth and thinking, I rather, I rather give everything up than to continue in this relationship where I am not valued. You know, all these things that she must have thought to take the risk. Of- sure. I- I'd rather be on the street with exactly. no money and hungry, but have my children then live in yes. this life. Um, and and I and I I'm just summing it up based on <laughs> because I'm already since I'm getting frustrated by the restraint. But often people fall in love, right? Opposites attract. They say, the, you know, or the reason you fall in love with somebody is because it's something that you think is intriguing and exciting. And I'm not saying it's limited to this in, in your family's uh, right. instance in this story. But those are often reasons that you wind up, you can't stand the person. Either. Absolutely. But did did anyone in her family know that she had was planning this? Um, I, uh, her sister in in Mexico. Um, I don't know if my my aunt knew ahead in advance. She certainly knew once we got there because she helped us get visas um, to come into the United States. So we didn't come in without papers. We came, we you know, we came with visas. Um, all all legitimate. So I have to assume that my aunt's her sisters uh, knew. And then we have um, she has uh, she had another sister in in San Francisco. We landed in LA, but I have to assume that my aunts knew. I have the chills, the courage, and the strength. The courage and the love for her kids. The irony is, you would have expected my mother to have had resentment, right? 
Um, she suffered a lot. She went through a lot. I mean, I, you know, I remember the, the, the robbers, we were sitting on the bus, um, um, before we crossed the border. And so I remember the robbers and I thought, you know, I, I, you know, it flashed through my mind and I didn't know they were going to shoot them. And so I, you know, I just, that, I, that created such, you know, first seeing the, the challenges in my parents' marriage and, and seeing, you know, my father's uh, mistress, you know, these little things that just impacted my, my upbringing I, it's, is how I started this journey of being very introverted and just afraid of everything. I was afraid of my own shadow. But my mother, I never, ever heard her speak bad about my father. She never, ever articulated that she had left him. She just said we're in LA, we're gonna, you know, we're going to visit Disneyland, your father's gonna come. And oh, I just talked to him. She never said anything bad about him. She never showed resentment. I never saw her cry, even though I know she had her dark moments. She was just happy. She made us happy. We never experienced really the hardship of what we were living. Uh, we didn't have money to eat. Uh, and you know and you know or a place to stay and you know and i saw my mother knock on doors to you know look for 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 work and she started cleaning houses mowing the lawn with my brother and but she never complained she was always happy isn't you know she would say are we happy we're in the land of disneyland and tomorrow we're gonna live in our apartment we're gonna decorate and she would just fill us with these dreams and possibilities and isn't this place beautiful and you know let's go out and we would walk and she would tire us out so that we wouldn't be hungry and and I never heard her say anything bad about my father which is just I mean to this day I think <laughs> someday I'll get there someday I'll get there because it just seems incredible but she was incredible and she gave up her family. Her family was still in Peru. Yes. She walked away from everything. Right from everything. Oh, wow. Other than the words that come to me, strength, and she was spiritual, I would yeah, assume. Yeah, she had a lot of faith. When we arrived in Mexico City, uh, the first thing she had us do is go to the Zocalo, and she had us get down on our knees. She was a huge believer we have a patron saying in Peru and in, in Mexico, the Virgen de Guadalupe, um, in, in Peru is El Señor de los Milagros. And, um, and she made us kneel, which I guess is, you know, a ritual that a lot of devout people do. She had us kneel, my brother, my sister, and walk the Zócalo to the church on our knees. By the time we got to the door, we were all bleeding. And and she was she was devout. She was devout. And I think that she had a you know a promise and you know to the Virgen de Guadalupe. Um, um so she yes, I think her faith is what uh, drove her and it was her her yeah, her devout faith, her enormous faith that got her through everything that she... Her prayers were answered. Totally. Totally. In Spanish, is this the, the Blessed Virgin of Guadalupe? Yes, correct. Um, very powerful. So you're in L.A. 
you got it, found a place yes. to live. You're, I assume, into school. She did all this. She waved her magic she wand. She worked three or- jobs. <laughs> um, she was cleaning houses. She eventually landed in a job in a factory that made record covers. And, you know, it was, a, it was time of union, and she was working the graveyard shift and allow her make decent money. And uh, she moved us into, remember when she moved us into a furnished apartment across from a park in East L.A. And we thought we had done and gone ahead. We were just, it was just the most beautiful, beautiful thing. Um, and so, um, you know, in seeing her work, she held three jobs. So she would work the graveyard shift in this factory and she would clean houses and cook, you know, and she worked all the time and yet she was happy. It became my purpose to having having seen her sacrifice so much that my ambition in life was to work, make enough money so that she would never have to work. And and there started my journey. She was the one that signed me up in school. I was the first uh, one of the first alumni students at the Fashion Institute of Design and Merchandising. And and I she never spoke English, by the way. We she spent her entire life here and she never learned English. But in the Spanish radio station, they would there was this commercial on the school that guaranteed you job placement. <laughs> Thing. So she went, okay, that's it. She didn't care if like, you know, if I was interested or not, she just signed me up. And uh, she helped me with with the application. And I remember when she said to me, okay, you're on your own now. How old were you? So I was 17. And so she, she signed me up at this institute. I had wanted to be an architect. And she said, no, that's going to take too much too long. This is two year. They guarantee you a job. You're on your own. Go, go do this. And it was the Fashion Institute. Before it was a Fashion Institute, it was a business school that converted, transformed, evolved into the Fashion Institute, which, you know, I started to take some interior design courses, et cetera, while I was working in the department store. And, um, and it was at the department store doing different jobs you know, on the selling floor that one of my managers said, you know, you really have talent for this. You should be really changing your major to merchandising because you've got, you can enter the executive training program and the rest was history. That's how my career in merchandising started. And off I went and where I was able to say to my mom, I don't know, maybe in her fifties, early fifties, okay, no more no more. You don't, you don't want you to work anymore. And so I began to be able to afford, you know, paying her rent and, you know, she would still do little jobs and cause she would stay, you know, she wanted to stay active, but she began to live life and, you know, and travel and spend time with her friends. And never learned English. No, she didn't have the need to. She, <laughs> she had her Spanglish, her Spanglish, which was very cute. And I think she understood more than she let us on to know. Such a great personality. Describe her physically. Was she petite? She was petite, five feet tall. My father, on the other hand, was probably six feet tall. Um, so we're all tall. My my siblings um, were all very, very tall. And here is this petite woman, obviously a force. And just vivacious, you know, just the life. So she was, she was, she was magnetic that way. 
she was someone that if, you know, I'm the one that took care of the money and, you know, she would say to me, okay, I have this money, go, you know, hide it. And so then she would occasionally say, okay, how much, how much money do I have? Well, we have $20. She would say, okay, give me all the $20. And I would be afraid. Here comes the fear. We're like, why? What are you going to do with the money? We only have $20. And she would go, I'm going to the supermarket and we're going to cook. We're going to invite some people, but, uh, but we're not going to have money for it. Tomorrow, what are we going to do tomorrow? And she would say, God will provide. Oh, my God. Yeah, and she would. And she would cook, and she would invite people over. And there at night, I would be praying, like, God, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? So I grew up in fear while she was fearless. She was total opposite of me. I was more like my father and, you know, very strict and intense and a warrior. And she was just like, no, we're today we live for today we live for the moment let's have a party and she had music on she had instruments all over the place she would sing yeah now i'd like to fast forward to your career even though you find yourself fearful you pushed through and conquered and accomplished quite a bit so let's please talk about valde beauty and the significance of this lipstick that projected confidence in your mom you said she loved yes so i had a very successful career by other people's interpretations i i i had great leadership roles i worked in different industries i landed a dream job at sephora um, unexpectedly as a head of color cosmetics and eventually became head of merchandising and chief merchant and so i mean i had the dream roles right and and um in her 80s she developed dementia and so I thank God I had those roles because the care for my mom became increasingly expensive. Um, I had three kids to put through college. And so even though I lived that dream role, I was super self-aware of of the blessing that I had of being able to afford my mother's care. So she suffered from dementia and um, and she passed away at the end of 2014. By that time, Sephora was in a in a trajectory of steady she goes. It was a much bigger business. I was in this inflection point of feeling like I still had a lot of energy and influence that I wanted to impart on Sephora, and felt stifled. Um, you know, I felt that I couldn't I could no longer impact and influence as much as I had been able to before. And my mother had just passed away and so um so i kind of felt like i was at a point of which i could think about myself feel less financially burdened i feel like i was stifled and in a very spontaneous moment when i heard my mother's voice in a, in a meeting that i was in i resigned and and i walked away i think had i thought about it too much i probably wouldn't have I heard her in Spanish saying, this is the moment. And and it was in a moment of which I was like, not happy. And there was an enormous void. I had my, my family, which of course were really supportive, but I felt lost. Like, is, is this all there is? And, and yet I, I knew that there was a lot of energy. And so I had this profound moment of turning back to God and surrendering 
and and saying i i don't know what i'm supposed to be doing and 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 you're it <laughs> you know you're it you're all I got. got. And so <laughs> I'm letting go and I'm letting you and um, and it'll be what it'll be. And I just sort of woke up the next day feeling happy and feeling hopeful and seeing, you know, light and no longer worrying about I wonder what I'm going to do tomorrow and being grateful, you know, coming into a, a state of gratitude and it just so happened that at that time, my mother's birthday was in January. And so I think this was 2016. So I had gone through this, you know, dark moment in 2015, 2016. I'm going through all her old pictures and I had this reflection. I, 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 her, there was, you know, she always wore lipstick and, it, you know, and, and I remembered how important lipstick was for her. And, you know, she always wore it defiantly. And it and I had this flashback of her at the end of her life when she had dementia. You know, of course, I always have lipstick on her. I always made sure she looked beautiful, that all her caretakers had lipstick. My brothers had lipstick. And, and every time I took mm. out that lipstick to apply to her, mind you, she didn't recognize me. But she would see that lipstick and she would perk up. Her eyelashes would flutter. And she would ready for, you know, she would pucker up ready for application and made her happy. <laughs> and it made her happy. Made so her I just, happy. I just thought to myself, how is it possible that she did not remember me, but she never forgot how lipstick made her feel. And I was talking to a friend, I don't know, some months later when she was commenting on my lipstick shade, because I, I'm a lipstick world like my mom. And I share this story, and that friend said, oh, oh, well, then you must create a lipstick brand for your mom. <laughs> Very yes, yes, I said, yes. Oh, no, no, <laughs> I can't do that. You know, there my fear kicked in. Oh, no. Yes, like, you can. You know, there's so many lipstick brands, and they're like, oh, this. She said, oh, no, but this is from you. <laughs> there's that story that you have to tell on the significance of you know lipstick and your mother and you know and your 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 journey and and that's how I that's how Valde Beauty came about you know and through it I've now come full circle I now have understood the strength and courage that we all have and I've now overcome the fear is is no longer what drives me. It is my passion that's significantly bigger than my fear, and I am thriving, and I feel that I'm on my way to be a buoyant, you know, like she Wow, and as I say, the rest is history. <laughs> Margarita Ariagaba and Valde Beauty, thank you so much for being so open and honest and sharing your story with us on Should Have Listened to My Mother. Gratitude to you as well. I'm honored. Um, to have given the opportunity to uh, share my story. Thank you so much. Mm -hmm.